This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Welcome to New Church Live. Great to have all you here today. We got a great service ahead for you. And it's, it's a topic, I think, that's, that's incredibly important. And that's the topic of faith. And, and how do we look at it? How do we hold it? Uh, how do we hold this thing that I think so often gets mischaracterized or misrepresented? And, and hold it in a way that can be healthy and can be really part of our lives. And that's what this series, and today's the launch of it, is going to be. Because we all know, like we look at the statistics, we all know churches are changing dramatically. Can you see what the largest growing church is in the whole country? Can you read that? Unaffiliated. Unaffiliated. Uh, you know, there's just, those are called the nuns, not N-U-N-S-N-O-N-E-S. You know, church is changing dramatically. I just look at at over my lifetime, what, what church was when I was growing up, which was the same kind of church that my parents had, that my grandparents and my great-grandparents, shifting dramatically. And how is it that faith moves with that? How do we find faith in a time where changes look like that and where a lot of churches look like this? There's over 4,000 churches a year now are closing. 4,000. So clearly we're in the midst of a, of a, of a, some kind of big change. I want to say that, that, that as we look at this series on faith, it's important to understand that, that as this, as this journey starts, it doesn't start with trying to find certainty. Like a lot of people, I think, confuse faith with certainty. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to draw. I'm going to draw what I think faith looks like. I think faith is kind of like this. We get it, and then we, please complete it, folks, we lose it, and then we, and then we lose it. So, boy, that I'm really bad at drawing. So, anyhow, just squint. So, you can see that, that with faith, like, it, it has this rhythm to it where, where we work towards getting it, and then we lose it, and then we get it, and then we lose it. The Bible is the same way. And, and that's why it's unfortunate when people talk about the Bible and they talk about the Bible like, well, I finally have gotten it. I've gotten the big point. And I finally have complete certainty in my life. Certainty is a tricky thing. Certainty is a tricky thing. I think our faith has to be able to move with this. I think our faith has to be able to go along with this. And I'm going to talk about how that can work, how that can work throughout this service. Now, stepping back over here, the Bible talks, has a lot of stories where, where it talks about how, how faith goes through changes. And, and one of the big ones we believe here in the new church is a simple transition that we see many, many times, which is the transition, not to me, no, the the transition of historical faith, and please say those other two words, historical faith to living faith. There's, there's a historical faith, the faith we're born into. And, and even if you weren't born into any faith, that was the faith you were born into. So we have sort of this historical way that, that we, were, we were born and raised a certain faith. And then we see that journey into more and more of a living faith. Well, begs the question then. What is a living faith? Many, many ways to define it. I think the simplest, as Emmanuel Swedenborg would put it, is faith is the eye of love. 
Richard Rohr has some beautiful language around it as well. Every vital impulse, every force towards the future, every creative moment, every loving urge, every endeavor toward beauty, every running toward truth, every ecstasy for simple goodness, every bit of ambition for humanity and the earth, for wholeness and holiness, is the eternally flowing life of God. I really do believe that 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 is such a key part of of how faith starts to work, how faith starts to move forward. It's it's, it's a flow, and and it's like any flow. It doesn't get captured that easily. and certainly doesn't get captured in certainty. Because a lot of the time, folks, my experience is when people come at faith with, with a sense that it's sort of locked in certainty. They're really talking about it as being a bunch of intellectual things to which we give assent. You know, here are the three things I believe. I believe these certainty, with, with certainty, therefore they are certain. Now, there's nothing wrong with believing stuff. I mean, that's really important. There's things I absolutely believe. And I think our faith needs to expand beyond that narrowness into something much more and much, much more fruitful. And I want to read for you here. I'm going to, we're going to go over a story. And, and before I read it, I want you to see kind of where we're going with this series. We're going to look at one person's life. And we're going to look at, at the idea of different, a journey of faith. That if, that if we do this faith thing, we're going to find ourselves a little different. Important to understand this, folks. If we went back 50 years in American culture, Christianity was really the centerpiece. I mean, it was, was so much part of mainstream culture. A lot of people would argue, maybe somewhat appropriately, that it was a little bit too much mainstream culture. It was just what you did. Well, Christianity more and more is becoming an outlier. And I don't even mean to say that as a negative thing. It's becoming more and more as, as a differentiator, something that kind of moves us to a little bit of the outside. Now, that doesn't make us outsiders. That doesn't make a, a Christian better than, please don't ever hear that, and please don't ever say it. That's not what it's about. It, it, it's about sort of living on the edge of the circle in a way that is somehow different. And it's not a different where I'm, see if this makes sense. It's not a difference where I'm trying to be different to show you something. I'm going to be different just to show you something, show how better I can do it. It's a difference so that I can learn to live in a different way in life that can, that can pull me more and more into the image and likeness of God that I was created in. More and more who I think God has asked us to be from all time. But it certainly is not to be used as a comparison by any stretch of the imagination. Now, faith goes through a number of different phases, and we're going to look at one person's journey of faith. It's a disciple, one of the followers of Jesus. His name is Peter. We're going to look at one story, how his faith changes. And today, please say the M word there. We're going to look at the magic. We're going to look at the magic. Like, what's the magic to this? What's the magic that he discovered right when the faith journey began? Because I think that's what sort of happens, is is when we start this journey, we'll have a moment that's just magical. A moment where all of a sudden, where we're having our first baby. And, and there's just, there's a magic there, right? And, and all of a sudden the world aligns and, and things are different. 
And that can be a moment of faith. And those are the kind of moments we're going to be talking about today. Moments of healing, moments of new birth. Now, this is the story we're going to look at. This is from Mark. If you're following along at home online, this is Mark 1, verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's also used the name Peter. Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. They told Jesus about her, so he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever immediately left her. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So this is a, this is a powerful story. In, in this flow of the Bible, Peter, this, this one disciple, this one follower, uh, has just started following this guy named Christ, this guy named Jesus, and he's, he's seeing all these wonderful things happen. He gets some sort of message from home that his mother-in-law is deeply sick. Jesus comes to the house, picks her up by the hand, and she's healed. So Jesus went to her, took her hand, helped her up, and the fever left her. So the fever left her. And then it goes on to say this. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many. So you can imagine, folks, in this day and age, this is the age for the, for the kids in here. This is the age before hospitals and all that. This is the days before health insurance. You know, it was, was, was in a very, very different era. And all of a sudden, like, here's, here's this person who's obviously direly ill In comes this person, Christ, and heals them right there. Now, you can imagine what's starting to go through Peter's head. The kind of faith that he can imagine. I mean, that kind of faith is pretty easy to have. If somebody comes in and heals your mother-in-law, it's pretty easy to have faith. It's pretty easy to like, oh yeah, I completely buy into that. And not only that, but obviously Peter starts the word going out and all these other people start coming. And you can imagine, folks, if you had a big celebrity over for dinner, you would tell your friends. And this wasn't just a celebrity. This was a celebrity who could heal people. So people are coming in droves to this house. And you can imagine Peter getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But there is something beautiful here. There's the experience of magic. Magic. Magic in the form of healing. Now, it's, it's not, folks, that, that I, I'm not a faith healer. I don't really believe that per se. But, but, I, but I really do believe that there's, there's these forms of healing that God brings into our life all the time where he picks us up by the hand and things shift. And we just get a moment in there We just get a moment where we get to sense magic. Magic. You know, I I see it over and over again. I I see it in people with the way they connect. I I see it with with children and their parents. I I see this with with people who are falling in love. I, I see this with people who are supporting one another over and over again. These small little glimmers of magic, small little sparks. Now, what I'm going to give you the opportunity to do here is to take a look at this question. What has been a magic moment of faith for you? 
We're going to have a timer here, 60 seconds. What I'd ask you to do is, for our online audience, you're welcome to text that answer in. If you're here in person, you're welcome to text the answer in as well. Or if you'd like to share that with a neighbor, please do. So please take 60 seconds and think, what has been a magic moment of faith for you? All right, folks. So, you know, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read some of those. And just isn't it interesting, right, that that our faith does have some of those magic moments from having a baby brother to the gratitude over being alive to to times where we found help where we just we just didn't imagine it. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about what those magic moments are and then talk about like, well, how they can actually work in our lives and how we can actually grab a hold of them and and, and really understand them in a deep way. Um, so I, I want to read these folks and take some time to read them because they're just beautiful. And I want you to think, like, like think, 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 think. Like the magic, the magic, the magic. The magic was this touch. Touch. Can we say the word touch together? Touch. Was this, was this touch. Christ touched her hand, reached for her hand. And, and, and that's the miracle, right? And, and, and God gets to use all of us to do that. And I think that brings God like incredible joy is, is to use all of us in that endeavor. So I, I want to read these to you because I, I think they're so good and we got a bunch from online. And I need to say, any of the ones that I, that I don't read, my apologies because Siri does goofy things with some of your spelling. So um, yeah, just smile and know that I heard you. I just didn't understand a thing you said. Uh, when I met you for the first time at my parents' house after my brother died, and at his memorial service, he described heaven and what happens after a person died in a way I'd never been taught before. I felt connected to the story. The angels gently waking him up, and he was free. I started coming to New Church the following week. I felt connected to faith for the first time then. Magic was always looking for faith, God, and the beauty of life. However, my faith has grown the most in the muck and the mire. Amen. Every day, in spite of not wanting to wake up, that some power greater than myself directs me to continue to get up, suit up, and show up. Watching our adult children parent their children, doing a better job in many ways than we did, God's true gift. And after 9-11, watching churches come together. And that'll be an important one to hold on to as we go to the end of the service. When both my children were born, and on the other end of life, being with my dad in his last month. Years ago, when I went to see Jesus Christ Superstar at the Keswick, my world changed as I saw before me who Jesus was and what he did for us. Jesus was suddenly, truly real for me. That's beautiful. From Arkansas, sobriety of a loved one's with the Lord's help. Seeing the birth of my children, that's from Ohio. When you came to console us in our moment of despair when our son died. Being freed from addiction. When my aunt, who was waiting for new lungs, got them and was able to walk without our oxygen tank for the first time. Being introduced to Richard Rohr. I once felt like the presence of God had left me. The song, his eye is on the sparrow. Whoever wrote this, I have no idea. This, this, wait till you see this last video. You are foreshadowing here. 
His eyes on the sparrow, so I know he watches me, somehow came on. I walked outside to find a sparrow with a broken wing, struggling, and then freed. When I got commissioned as a military officer. Magic, magic, magic. This is from one of our wonderful high school students, I'm sure, or college students, getting to the end of my sophomore year. Watching my children be born. Finding new church life. See, those, those really are magic moments, and we get to share them. And that's, that's so much, I think, of the way that life kind of works. Like, we get these magic moments, and we really have to pay attention to them. Because that's, that's sort of part of life's choice, right? Do I pay attention to the magic, or do I pay attention to the despair? Which is the better option, <laughs> You know, we get that choice all the time, and it's, and it's a deeply empowering choice. So let's continue on. I'm going to read the story. I'm going to finish up the story, and then we're going to put some quotes up here on the screen. The story goes on. Very early in the morning, the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Peter and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you! Well, no kidding. He's healing a bunch of people. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby village, so I can preach there also. This is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues. So let's take a look at a couple of the beautiful lines there. Everyone is looking for you. You, you, you kind of think, like, Peter, I'm sure Peter went to bed. Like, imagine you had all these people, the most famous guy in Israel, and all these people are showing up at your mother-in-law's house. And they're all showing up. Say the H word because they're all there to be healed and the healing's happening and it's like great and you're starting to see, wow, this could be super cool. This could be an amazing experience. It could start to look like this. It could be huge. It could be immense. Chamber of Commerce will show up. It'll grow, it'll grow, it'll grow, it'll grow. So you go to sleep with that in your mind. And then you wake up the next morning, ready for Jesus to get at it again. And he's gone. He's gone. So you can imagine the disciples, you know, a little bit like, ooh, I know we, we told some people to show up and now he's not going to be here. You imagine a little bit of panic there. They're searching for him. They find him out there praying alone. And then he says these words. And, and again, folks, I think, again, with Jesus' language, nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, see him saying it with a smile. Seeing him, see him saying it with a smile, not with a frown. Let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages. I'm going to have you say the P word there. So I can preach there also. It's interesting that word preach, folks. When you, when you look at that word in Mark, it's not the word preach as in like deliver a sermon, like I'm doing right now. It's about conveying really good news. Conveying, a heralding of really good news. Use the T word here. 
news that was going to be conveyed with a simple touch. With a simple touch. That movement, that idea that the magic comes, it shows up, we get a chance to enjoy it, and then the magic, it moves on. It goes. It has other places to be, other people to see. It has other things to do. So we don't get to live in the magic. We get to experience it. To hold on to it. To live through it as best we can. And then to keep moving. Maybe in a way, God was trying to teach Peter this. This is from a piece of New Church Canon. Divine providence, that's God's leadership. Divine providence has as its goal our eternal salvation, not great happiness of the world. Not, in other words, please say those three words. Not, in other words, not, in other words, money and power, which most of us think is true happiness. Now, money can be a blessing. Power can be a blessing. In this denomination, what we believe, it's really about your goal. How are you going to use it? That's what really matters. And we believe this. Money and power is never the point. Never the end of itself. That, that eternity is the end. This, this far bigger picture is the end. And, and I know certainly if I was in Peter's shoes, I'd be thinking money and power. I'd be thinking, oh my goodness, look how great this is. Look how well we're doing. We're packing the place week after week, overflowing. There's nothing wrong with that as an ambition, as long as it's not an end in itself. I think that's what God is talking about here. What we need to remember about faith is that faith, folks, is not a place. I'm going to see if you guys can get a really tricky word here. A polysyllabic word. Faith is a... Oh, you guys are good. Faith is not a place. Faith is a trajectory. It's a movement. So we get to see the magic. It's part of the trajectory. We get to experience it for a second. That's part of our experience. We get to remember it forever because that's part of the blessing. And we get to live into it because that's the joy. Now I want to show you a video and then we're going to come back to the chart after the video. I want to show you a video that... that, that Talks about, it talks about that, that reaches for this. And it's a video, it's a very short video. And it's a mom over in England and she's, she's lost her son. And she goes to her son's grave, goes to his tombstone and she's just sitting there. And a little bird, a sparrow, lands on the top of the tombstone. And then what I want you to do is then I want you to watch what happens after that. Take a look. Excuse me? 
you to get after him. <laughs> I think, folks, that's what happens. You know, the magic comes, just touches our hand, just for a second, and then it's off. And our job is to live into that as best we can, to live into that magic, to see it in our lives, to to try to understand it in very deep ways. I I love these words from John Lewis. John Lewis was a a civil rights leader. And he gave a great interview on NPR where, where she asked him, like, how did you keep hope? How did you keep faith during this time? And he says something that I can't quite unpack. Probably some of you will be able to unpack it far better than me, and I hope you, you, know, you share with me after church on this. But he's able to unpack it and, and, and really look at faith in a very unique way. And, and what faith can be and what those magic moments attach us back into. How did I keep faith? I wanted to believe. And I did believe that things would get better. Later I discovered that you have to, and listen to this, folks, that you have to have this sense of faith. Just listen to these lines here, really carefully. Full body listening here. That, you're move, that what you are moving towards is already done. It's already happened. It's the power to believe that you can see. That you, you can visualize that sense of community, that sense of family, that sense of one house. I think so much as what these magic moments do is, is they return us to something that's just amazing. And I feel like as, as we look at this, folks, we can see the flow of our lives where we get it and we lose it and we get it and we lose it. And please listen carefully to this. Please listen carefully to this. As faith evolves, what happens is it's no longer about the line. We get that faith is the paper. That faith is kind of like the ground of our being. That it can deal with the moments of deep despair. It can deal with the moments of great joy. And and, and the, the inevitable getting it and losing it and getting it and losing it. That's what's in the Bible. That's what the Bible talks about all the time. That's why some of the parts read in such crazy ways. Because there are times where, you know, people lose the plot. But then it comes back. I think we all can get this experience. And as long as we're trying to follow the lines and thinking our faith is based on whether it's up or down for the day, I think we miss it. I think when we start to get no, it's got to become the paper. Then faith can become something that really enlivens our lives. It does just amazing stuff. I think about a magic story that I had that I wanted to close the service with. Now, now a lot of you I've shared this story with because it was, it was so profound for me. Very life-changing. Uh, and I've had, you know, probably like two or three of these experiences in my life where it's like, yep, there's the magic. It doesn't stay. But, 
but it comes, it, it, it touches. And that, that touch is totally transformative. Totally, in a certain sense, healing. And again, uh, my apologies, because a lot of you have heard this story, but not all of you have heard this story. This took place about five years ago. I had done a wedding, and a few weeks after doing the wedding, I, I got a call from one of the groomsmen. And he said, Chuck, you probably don't remember me. I'm thinking, I don't remember you. You know, he you probably don't remember me, but uh, my name is Jason, and my brother just died suddenly. Age 37, out of the blue, he passed away. My family doesn't have a church. They don't have a pastor. You're the one pastor I know because I saw you do that wedding. Do you think you could come and do a little internment, small funeral for him? I said, sure, I'd be glad to. So what I did is I got in my car, drove down to Vineland, New Jersey for the viewing the night before, and the parents obviously and very understandably, were totally distraught. Not really able to share a whole lot versus just sort of pleasantries of hi, you know, sorry for your loss, what can I pray for? You know, just sort of simple stuff. But they did give me a small little piece of newsprint about this young man. Basic biographic information, but not, not much bigger than that. So I go home, go to my dear wife, and as all guys know, you got to ask your wife what to do when you don't know. So I said, honey, what do I do? I, I, I've never met this young man. I, I certainly don't know his family. I'm supposed to do an internment, small funeral uh, service for him, uh, you know, the next day. And she said, well, you know, read some scripture, uh, talk about a few things, and may, maybe, maybe pick a poem. So I thought, pick a poem, that would make some, that would make some sense and sort of create some some. Uh, readings in there that maybe can bring the family some peace. So I pick a poem. I go down the next day and I go to the, go to the funeral parlor and the mom comes out right before we're to travel to do this internment, small funeral thing, comes out and she meets me at the door right at the threshold. She's there, Chuck, look, I just need you to do one thing. What? Whatever it is, like, let me know. I'll be glad to do it. I said, Chuck, I need you to read a poem. And then she handed me the same poem that I'd picked out. Now, that's just a moment. That didn't bring her son back to life. That didn't change a horrible event for all time. But it was a touch. It was a touch of magic. And people can explain that away. I'm sure some people scientifically will say, yeah, but blah, 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 blah. I, I don't see it that way. I think those moments, we get, they start to embed us into the paper, into the very ground of being that is life. What, what John Lewis was talking about, into this thing that has already happened, with, which is the deep depth of love that we are all held in and all connected by. That's the place, touching that place can be where faith actually starts. It's beyond entertainment. It's beyond a lot of like frills. It's a quiet miracle that we get to share over and over and over again. I wish you the best on your journey. 
Think about joining us for the next three weeks as we continue on and we look at, again, how this flow of faith works, how it's like a river, and how it can really come alive for you in your life today. Can we say amen together? Amen. 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 For those of you who are first-time attenders, means it is true. So what we're going to do now is we're going to close with a prayer, and then we're going to close with a raucous song about... I'm a believer. And so what I'd ask you to do now is to please join me in a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, thank you as well for those magic moments in our lives. Thank you for what those moments have been. And Lord, allow us to live in a deep memory of them. Knowing that our choice is always between magic and despair. And the magic is always there. Give us eyes to see it. Ears to hear it. And hands. Hands to touch it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.